And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always telling the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome to Warriors Plus Minus. It is very obvious what we are going to talk about today for this episode. Uh, one of the great performances of his life, of his entire career. Uh, everybody's a buzz about it. Ethan, I feel like you should have the floor. Tell us about how great Kevon Looney was. I knew that set up. I knew it was head. It was still ah. well done. <laughs> I mean, I got to say, look, Steph's brilliant. He was great. Wax, Come on. We're going to wax poetic, but Looney and Draymond both, I think, uh, deserve eh, some praise for helping to facilitate it. They put on a screen setting clinic in that game against the Sixers. Carved up the necessary space, and then Steph did the rest. And what can we even say about it? Marcus just wrote a great article. The readers are loving it. The fans are loving it. I think the topic that people are discussing now is the comparison, right? How does this compare to the other two MVP seasons? Where do you guys come down on that? I said last night, it, 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 and people will, will be very mad at me, but it's got to be behind the unanimous MVP season because they think now is always better than than later. You have to say now. You have to praise everybody now, 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 or else you're mean and old and bitter. But he was putting up actually better numbers back then. Maybe not volume numbers, but the numbers were better, and the efficiency was better, and it was for every game mattered. Every game at the top, they're battling. You know, they decide they want to go for the record. They get the record. That was just an epic. It's just, it is amazing though that he can sustain it and be comparable to this uncomparable season for anybody else at age 33. Five seasons later, five full seasons later, this guy is still in the same context as he was when he put up some season that, you know, you thought maybe nobody could ever touch in that realm. That's the amazing part of it for me. He's a better player now, but that was a better performance. Like the stakes were higher. I said that on the, uh, on our like national NBA podcast yesterday, where I would say, if you took this version of Steph Curry and put him on that team, I do think this version of Steph Curry is better, even though that's a more magical, memorable season. He's bigger, he's better defensively, and he's mastered all like all the off ball stuff and everything. And the shooting percentages are the same. The, you know, that. the volume. Like I guess I would ask why you don't, because he's clearly in better shape and he's a better defender. I mean, let's be clear. I don't want to start this off by denigrating Steph's season that's so amazing, especially at his age right now. And saying that he's like a bum compared to his unanimous MVP season. But I thought that he just had more athleticism back then. I thought he was more of a presence on defense. I thought he was a better defensive player in that season. And also, this is kind of air hockey basketball that we're watching right now. I mean, this is not all Madden mode that we're watching. It was harder to get a bucket back then. At the same time, it's just magical, man. It's still incredible to watch what he's doing. And it has a resonance. And I mean, I don't want to spend, look, I'm with Tim. I think the unanimous MVP season was better. Maybe you could put it against the first MVP season, have that conversation, bit of apples to oranges. I don't know. That doesn't even matter too much as fun as it is to discuss and compare. It's funny. I just led a discussion and said the discussion doesn't matter. Very typical of your. Who was a silly though. person who brought this up? Yeah, yeah. You love talking about stuff that doesn't matter. Round and round and round and round. Yeah. <laughs> what ultimately matters is not sports, actually. Sports, I mean, throwing a sphere through a ring. Come on, guys. I mean, this is stupid. No, 
it's really fun. He's making people feel great at a time when people perhaps haven't felt great in a while. The way Chris Mullen was putting it a little while ago, I thought was perfect. And he just keeps on doing it. And they're throwing so much at him. Maybe the thing we should mention is that since that unanimous MVP season, teams have developed all these new ways of counteracting him. And he doesn't have a lot of help. And he still finds out a way to get it done where the double team comes, he passes out the double team, and then he shakes free after passing out of the double team. It was alarming to watch them play him like that, right? It was like they weren't they weren't bringing a double. That's Doc were, Rivers. It was just like, is Doc really going to do this right now? That was crazy to watch. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to play, which is what makes it crazy. And I know there was a lot of people within the organization that didn't necessarily believe after that ankle twist in Boston he was going to be able to push through it. Now, Steve Kerr had like kind of an interesting pregame explanation about like the way his ankle braces work and like it jabs into his leg and hurts him in the moment, but it actually saves the ankle over time. And that's what helped him get back on the court. But like, that's part of it too. You know, Ethan mentions he keeps doing it. He keeps doing it. This is through a tailbone injury that was clearly super bothersome for the first part of this, just like kind of nuclear stretch. And then now to me, it speaks to just what he's done to his body and just conditioning wise and strength wise to ensure he gets through these seasons. And that's why when I talk about 2016, remember all the rewatches that we did during the nine-month break? One of them was that OKC game where you would probably consider, if you were saying the unanimous MVP season, pick the peak moment of that, that's it, right? The game we watched, he's a lot skinnier then. And we've mentioned this, but that's just, it, it, I remember watching those games being like, geez. He's a different player now. I mean, yeah, he's definitely a different player one thing I'll point out, and it's, you know, if he had more help, he wouldn't have these numbers. It, it wouldn't be like this. Now, that, in that the fact that he's putting up these numbers without that help and with the double teams, with all this attention, is a total credit to him. But if he had a healthy Clay Thompson with him, these numbers wouldn't be the same, I think, because they just wouldn't have to, like, make four pass. They make three passes to get to the fourth pass that gets to Steph, right? That's This whole thing is built on where is he going to end up, and let's make sure we're set up to get the ball in that direction. And that's great. It's interesting. They're winning games. Now, obviously, no Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris last night, but that's okay. You play who you play. But part of this is unique. This is a little bit of a unicorn season. I hate using that term, but... Because it exists the way it does in this world where they're not going to win a championship, where their roster is this tilted offensively, this unbalanced towards 30, and they have all this setup to get him the ball. This is perfect for him to put up these kind of numbers. It's stuff versus the world for the whole season. We kind of thought it was going to happen. Now it's really happening. You take Wiseman out of there, it really opens up the floor for him. But if they had a full roster... If they had a championship-winning, you know, at least contending roster, his numbers would be down like it was when Kevin Durant arrived. This just happens normally. This is what to appreciate, and it's also to understand, you know, this is one of those, and I don't want to say it demeaningly at all, at all, but it's a little bit like the, the Westbrook. Oh, you know, he, did it, he did it. He did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking yeah, it as you were saying it. Yeah, hating, like... hating me. But he got those numbers because he had to get those numbers. There was nobody else to get those numbers. And I will say Warriors fans demeaned it. They said, there's no way he's the MVP. Look, he's not winning games. This team's 29-29 right now. Now, you know, whatever, 4-2 or 4-1 in whatever it's been. Or 28-22 with him on the floor this season, which, you know, okay, that's pretty much equivalent to that Westbrook Thunder team. You know what I mean? Like, that Westbrook Thunder team was like 5-6 seed. Again, I'm saying this to salute the Westbrook season and not to demean it or to in any way lessen what... Yeah, Sacrilege! But this, Sacrilege! This is happening... Warriors fans! This Warriors is, fans! This is happening. Never fear. <laughs> this is happening I'm, because... I'm interjecting... I'm interjecting some, to find a more kind of favorable comparison. To, 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 for TK now. He's got he's to meet some kind of Warriors board for that comparison. Shame. Done. Done. Shame. Done. <laughs> Warriors fans, I, I've got a cleanser. What about uh, Kobe, Kobe 06, mid-2000s? Kobe. Does that make you feel better as a comparison? What, what, yeah. With, with, Gasol, yeah, Kobe with, with Gasol and Lamar and all that? No, I'm saying before Gasol, pre-Gasol, okay. where the show was about Kobe. Yeah, okay. When I was I'll at Staples yeah, that's Center. Fine. That's fine. That's fine. And... Those were incredibly entertaining teams and games to watch. This is incredibly entertaining to watch. These are great. That's the greatest of the great. But if he had more, you know, what I don't buy is if he had more help, oh, my God, it would be these kind of numbers and they'd win more. No, the numbers would go down a little bit. They, they just would because somebody else would get five shots that otherwise would have ended up with, with Steph. Now, they're great shots. 
in fairness to Warriors fans, who Kawakami is just killing over here. No, uh, I, I do think part of the reason Warriors fans are celebrating this is because of the narrative. It's not because they inherently valued a season like this. It was Steph can't do this. You know, Hardy can do it. Westbrook can do it. And now it's like that's what makes this a unique season is because it's another thing that he couldn't do and is now doing, right? It's another, like at every turn where people are trying to take something from Steph, this is the next thing. So I I don't even think three years ago, I don't think they would have uh, valued this as much, but because of the narrative of, but he can't do it without the superstars around him. And then for him to do it and do it in a fashion that Westbrook did, I think that's why people are celebrating it. At age 33. Yes, because Russell Westbrook right now is 32. James Harden right now is 31. When they were doing the the seasons you're talking about, those like heavy burden seasons, they were like early prime. Mid prime now has become like 27, 28 in the league. Like Steph doing this at 33. Also, to me, more than anything, this signals like what's ahead and like how long. And I know we've talked about it this season, but like he has proven this season like he is capable of being 1A on a title contender for we would guess at least another one to two seasons. And that's probably feeling more conservative by the day. And that has heaped a whole bunch of pressure on everyone else in the organization to kind of like acquiesce to the situation that they probably didn't know if they were going to still have like a one, a type Steph Curry on a title contender. And they do. So everyone else's job ratchets up. I want to get to that, but I do want to, uh, follow up on what Marcus was saying, because it's not just Warriors fans. It's also some of Steph's rhetorical enemies, some of the pundits, Kendrick Perkins apologizing to him. This has validated him in the eyes of people whose eyes might be called into question, because I don't know what they were watching if they thought that Steph Curry was only a product of having great teammates. He makes the most difficult shots there are to make. I don't understand what they were seeing before, but for whatever reason, his ability to do this and to rack up the points in a Kobe 06 style has a lot of people going, I'm sorry, I I, I doubted, I'm sorry, I hated... You're already seeing that currently, and now it's turning into some MVP buzz. So, yeah, to me, it's crazy that this would even help him being on a team that's middling after all he's accomplished in his career. But it seems to be doing that trick. It's exactly when they need it. He's giving them everything that they could possibly want out of him, and people are noticing. And maybe, yeah, he did need a season like this for the Kendrick Perkins, whoever. I think all of us on this podcast who, <laughs> right. who saw the buildup and who saw 14-15, who saw 15-16. I cannot believe he's become this like pundit who's like very much in the conversation, inserts himself, and like it's just funny. Like he was like a he was like the aged veteran center I covered like a decade ago. I just he's found a role. He's you know like people find a role. He's got found a career. But it yeah it does open the window for the Warriors at least another couple seasons. I think you know maybe not this level, but man, just a little bit down from this, and he's still as, as Slater said a one A player on a championship level team. Just a little bit down from this, and it makes their decisions this offseason even more important. It makes the you know the decision on Wiseman, the development of Wiseman, whatever's going to happen with Wiseman, all the more, more important. But I'll I'll go to a thing that I've been saying for a while now. This is the best they could be this season. This is it. Like, Kerr hinted at it when he talked about, are we going to be a development team? Are they going to be, you know, like, taking Wiseman off the board, less of Oubre. You know, he was fine, Oubre's but a less of him. Energy guy's and fine. Just, yeah, op- just, op- just, just, op- just, op- of Looney. Yeah, just opening the floor <laughs> and make it, this isn't the death lineup, this is the Steph lineup. This is just that bar. figure out where he's going to be and get it to him. <laughs> and this is it. I mean, again, we'll see how high it can ro- go, but... And they're saying it. I don't think there's a team that wants to play them. I don't think there's a team that wants to go, uh, we got 30 coming up. That's just a great playoff draw. This is not This is not. What's that interesting, like, I know we're talking about, like, how the Warriors need to capitalize on this. What are the other stars in the league thinking now? Like, maybe last year before this season, they're like, I don't know. The Warriors, remember all the players that they were trying to get? Serge Ibaka, Marcus who didn't come. Now, yeah, are those players like, wait, oh, hold on, pass. Steph's still lit? Hold on. He doesn't need hold league on, pass. Steph's, Steph's still doing this? Wait, is the title window still <laughs> yeah. open? Yeah. I, I'm just saying, I wonder <laughs> I wonder what they're thinking. Got a hug from Embiid after the game. Well, he always hugs Embiid after the game. 
I have a random thought too about, you know, we make a big deal when guys get dunked on that. Oh, he ended him. Oh, RIP. Oh, it was nice to see his career. What Steph does to some of these dudes, I think fits that acclamation more so like what he did to George Hill. I mean, if I was doing the radio, Ethan, I would say he made him look like George over the hill in that fourth quarter. You I missed went, a moment. You I, I went, just did it right there. This guy's career, it. I actually think. Nah, radio <laughs> he Ethan made George is Hill look like That's George over the hill. Moment. <laughs> he made George Hill look like he didn't belong in the NBA anymore. I mean, it seemed like if Hill was towards the end of his career and he was on that ledge, Steph with that little slight push off nudged him off of it. So not only do these stars maybe want to check up on Steph and wonder about joining him, but they also don't want to get embarrassed. I mean, it seems like the easiest way to, for that to happen. But piggybacking on what Marcus says, there's a little bit of trollishness to the idea that oh but it's real i mean some of these stars i think after the postseason are going to be disappointed they're going to want to go somewhere and i mean if steph's still steph i do think that it helps get that conversation going especially if you can sell people on the idea that clay is going to come back like clay obviously with all this happening right there's this sentiment of the warriors should have been playing small this is what they should have been doing slater do you think that's a fair assessment or this is happening because of all of the things happened before that, right? And if you try to do this for a whole season, it would be too much, especially watching how Draymond and Looney had the battle last night. If you want to make the argument that LaMelo Ball should have been the pick and they should have like leaned into a small identity and you were a LaMelo Ball supporter before the draft, before you knew what he was going to be, okay, that makes sense. But once you draft James Wiseman and... I very much can't criticize that decision since I was definitely a proponent of it. You need to play James Wise. You should do it. You know, he needs minutes. At this point, you know, 836 minutes is what he's ending his rookie season at, plus a, a, a meniscus rehab ahead of him. That doesn't feel like nearly enough. That's less than half of Anthony Edwards' minutes. So, no, I mean, once James Wiseman's on the roster, like, you can't just say, we're small, you know, Wiseman, you're going to, like, maybe we'll break in case of emergency if, some, if you know, Draymond's in foul trouble or something like that. So I'm not saying they struck the correct win while developed balance this season. We've had podcast after podcast discussing kind of the yo-yoing of, of uh, the the priorities and, and maybe some of the mistakes with how they played Wiseman. But they had to play Wiseman, and if you were playing Wiseman, you weren't playing small. Now, I think it's, I think the Wiseman disappearance, you know, it, just for the season has simplified the now. It's complicated the future for sure, but it's simplified the next 15 games into the play in, they hope, into the playoffs. Where it's Looney, by the way, they're not just playing small. Kovan Looney played 31 minutes against Nikola Jokic, a career high, was good. And then last night, he played 34 minutes. Kovan Looney played 34, 34 like, minutes. That's bruising crazy. minutes against Joel Embiid last night and his body's holding up and that is a good sign now it's also a concern about like you know can he continue to hold up they have like a lot of high pressure games coming in the next month but they're not just playing small right now they have that small option more I want my victory lap I want my Go victory ahead. lap on Looney. the Kevon Looney renaissance Kevon Looney is a good NBA player do I want him playing over 30 minutes. Um, Tim, you can't let him get away with this, by the way. Uh, I'm going to let you cook either, but you can't let him get his little two games and all of a sudden he's back. Come on. It fits what they're doing. It fits what they're doing, and he's playing great. And he's rebounding the hell out of the ball, and all that works. Is he the center for a championship team? (laughs) You know, he has been in spurts, but I don't know that he is. I just wanted that shade, TK. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Have me be the bad guy. Always be me the bad guy. You're such a great villain. I'm all in on Sam as Fendiari. Sam is Fendiari's nickname, Moses uh, Maloon. <laughs> I'm all in on that. It's a monster on the boards. He's Did healthy. Great work That's on it. Embiid. He's healthy. He's healthy. He's a smart player. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Even though I think this is the best they could be this season, this season isn't the most important thing to them. Next season is the most important thing to them because that's when Clay's back. You know, we'll see at what level, and that's why they had to play Wiseman. That's, how, that's why they had to pick Wiseman. I'll still go with that. We'll see how his career turns out with Lamella Ball. But once you take him, once that's the way you're going, you had to play him. Probably should have played him a little bit more. Now you don't have him, and okay, this is what Kerr saw from the beginning. It's still not enough to win a championship. It's enough to scare somebody. It's enough to be really entertaining. If they have Wiseman at full go next season, I think that's what they would prefer. But it, it, it does depend on Wiseman. depends on everything else. depends on these draft picks. But you can say it's what's really good for them now, and I'm certainly saying that, but it's not the best thing probably for them long term. But that's okay. This is where they ended up. Steve's frustration when people say, why not just play small all the time or why not just play pick and roll all the time, I think is worth looking at. I think his analogy is it's like saying, well, why doesn't Scherzer just throw the slider every time? It's a devastating slider. Like, why not slider every time? You do need different looks. Now, there can be a discussion of does Steve go too much for this or does he go too much for that? But I do think that's that's something worth considering that I don't think they can just play drama of the five all the time. I just don't think that's going to work. And, you know, that's why that's why Looney. I mean, and again, Looney and Draymond together, in theory, awful for your spacing. But in practice, with all the complicated defenses that they're throwing at Steph, they're doing these combo screens. Oh, you're talking about how Looney or Draymond was screening for Looney, who then went the screen for uh, Steph's man. Yeah, Embiid had no response for that. It was a, it was a nice little scheme. The answer to it is just there have to be awesome defensively and they were last night you know philadelphia scored 15 third quarter points 96 total they were great on Embiid. like draymond ended with five fouls looney ended with five fouls and they were just like kind of selectively deciding when to double when one of them can take a foul and okay you took two fouls now it's his turn to get on them and and that felt like a playoff like schematic type game last night and 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 they came through it well and that's that's a credit to looney which who we forget like you know we talk about draymond and and steph and that coaching staff being very playoff tested like come on looney's very playoff tested he's played a lot of playoff games even though he's only 25 years old um so will he hold up i don't know i mean i think but you look ahead and you look at where this season might be going if they get in the play-in and let's say they win the play-in they're probably gonna play phoenix or utah in the first round that's rudy gobert and DeAndre Ayton. Like, Kevon Looney's needed in that first round, for sure. I'll just say this was a playoff kind of defense, right? Just collapse on their best player and make someone else beat them. And Philly didn't have Ben Simmons, who's not a shooter, but he could have moved the defense, certainly. And Tobias Harris has been a great offensive player this season. So that, that made a difference. And Seth Curry started off hot and, and then just disappeared. And, you know, Shake Milton is not a guy I think you're going to count on. You better not be counting on. They exposed some things about the 76ers that we thought about. We, you know, we're not sure. Is Danny Green really the guy who's going to make a shot in the fourth quarter? We've wondered that about Danny Green his whole career. He hasn't made a lot of them. But uh, the Warriors played smart. Like, hey, Embiid is we're going to swarm Embiid. Doesn't matter what he's if he dribbles the ball. There's going to be two people swiping at him, and let's see someone else do it. And the Sixers didn't have that. Boston did have that, by the way. That was the difference. Boston had guys making shots from everywhere, but the Warriors have this baseline. They've got this number thirty who's going to scare the hell out of you for thirty six minutes a game, and then you better have an answer for it. And the Warriors are going to just swarm the best event, best offensive players if they can on the opponent. It works. It's it's. It's very interesting. It's also 29 and 29 right now. So, you know, it gets you to a certain point. I was interested in that Draymond Udonis Haslam mid-range off the pick and roll. That was interesting to me because there have been games where he takes that and I go, ugh, that's, that's not what you want. But, I mean, that won the Miami Heat a championship in, a in the finals. Was, <laughs> I'm not sure the Udonis Haslam mid-range. In a different era. A loved part of a modern offense. Unlocking a championship era. <laughs> Follow me on this. In a different era, but Steph's a different player where he commands so many bodies that you could potentially, because they've been trying to do it from behind the three-point arc and with mixed results, but if it can be guaranteed that Draymond with that frozen rope shot that doesn't always get over the rim if he's behind the arc, 
if he's a 50 50 proposition wide open when it's 12 feet 13 feet and he's close to where he can make a shovel pass or a lob i mean i just look at that as that's that's potentially an interesting way to unlock the offense and i don't know if it's going to be consistent but seeing that a few times that was intriguing to me yeah he's scoring more he's scoring and it doesn't it's not gonna pop off the game log but i believe he's got at least eight in like six of the last 11 games and i put the stat in my post game i think there's something like 12 and three when he scores double digits something like that this season they're they're a better team when he scores and it's never pretty when he scores is it the udonis haslam frozen rope you know 14 footer is it a, one of those backpack threes or you know his layups sometimes at the rim that, that can be an adventure against boston he missed what would have been the game tying layup in the final minute so it's an adventure, but where you're right is like a boost of Draymond offense, an eight-point boost for an entire game of Draymond offense is just those are eight very felt points. Right, like you feel it when he scores, and it does make them a better team when when he's just a little bit more of a threat. Andrew Wiggins has been pretty damn good for a while here, and yes, it, coaches yes. coaches tell us by the minutes they play guys. And he played 42 last night. And he played 41 against Boston. I barely and remember him like he leaving down the court. The, I don't yeah. remember him not yeah, being exactly. on the court. Yeah, so like he just stays out there in a way that Kerr hasn't done with almost anybody. Maybe Clay sometimes, maybe Draymond in big games. But he just leaves him out there, and he just runs. And that's what I like to say about Clay. Like He can just run all day, obviously pre-injuries. Does he ever look like he's sweaty? He, does, he just doesn't look t- – yeah, he is unbelievable. And even if – he isn't demanding the ball, even if you, you you probably want to see him be more aggressive offensively. He plays very solid defense no matter what, and he runs the court, and he gives you just quality two-way minutes. Sometimes the offense isn't great. Sometimes it is. And 42 minutes and 41 minutes is a sign that they need him on the floor. And I think that's worth mentioning uh, at a very important I – mean, and he play, he's played every day. He's played like 800 more minutes we'll, more than anybody games, else, whatever it is, yes. like five, uh, 400 minutes, more minutes than anybody else on the team. They crushed that yeah, trade. Oh. Can we say it? They Marcus, about trade. time you admit I mean, this, huh? That, that admit tr- this, Marcus. Hey, I gave my man <laughs> Cobar already. They, they crushed it. <laughs> Still should have got another pick, but I'll, I'll let you live. <laughs> it's been an angsty season, and people have serious doubts about Wiseman and worries about how good LaMelo is. And so that might ultimately be a big choice that doesn't go their way. But maybe on the other side of it, there isn't enough consideration of how, I mean, you'd rather have Wiggins way more so than D'Angelo Russell, even before you consider the pick that got attached to it. So yeah, they maybe should have squeezed more out of the Wolves considering how much they wanted Russell and how much they, how much they, they hated Wiggins and how much they hated after Wiggins. the trade and how much they hated Wiggins but the Warriors won that trade by a lot that is some that is a decision that has gone their way right now when we look at it Andrew Wiggins first four years of his career played 82 games 81 games 82 games 82 games he doesn't miss games you know you don't feel that from the outside looking in where you're where you're casually following the Minnesota Timberwolves because you're not watching them on a daily basis, but you watch this Warrior season, we're watching every game, and the fact that he is that constant 34-minute-per-night presence on an every-night basis, like, you feel that. There's never, you know, I remember early in the season, it was like, well, he's questionable with, like, a, you know, a quad, or I think he, like, banged up a hip early in the season, and he was, like, on the injury report as, like, questionable. But that's the only time we've ever even, like, worried about Andrew Wiggins availability the shot has come and gone but there just is something to always being there he's just emotionally steady and I know that that that's been criticism of him in his career and remember early in the seasons where we're like you know if he had a little bit more Ubre, if he had a little bit more Ubre, he could I mean, still he, true, he'd be the yeah. player that everyone nah, thought he yeah. would be I think it's pretty good yeah. that he's just got yeah. a little Andrew Wiggins for the role he needs to play it's good when Clay comes back too you got you know if you think that way and and another player th- via the draft. Yeah, just uh, some, just run the court, play defense, and when the ball comes your way, make a shot or two. You know, like make a three or make a couple threes a game, maybe one three a game, shoot 34% from three, be a threat, attack the rim, get a couple buckets with a second unit. These are, th- there's value there. I mean, it's not $33 million a year maybe, but it's not, Two million. I was gonna say we kind of got to bring that up. <laughs> I mean, we're describing yeah, yeah, a dude no making question. fifteen million, yeah. uh, twenty million. Yes, 
but that was part of the understanding. I mean, they, you know, they but the way that like acquisitions went down and like the, the string of transactions that like 33 million means a lot on the marketplace, but it, to the Warriors, it, as long as Joe Lacob's willing to pay it, it doesn't, you know, like even in locker room dynamics, I don't think it matters that much. Russell money meant something I do in, in the locker room because they paid it to him, right? They paid it to D'Angelo Russell. They just took the Wiggins straight back. If there, if that does make it, there's a little bit of difference there. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Wiggins' willingness to be such a role player and like he doesn't want, like he doesn't view him, like he doesn't present himself like I'm the max guy. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm alpha. In, I'm, I'm the, the alpha. I'm taking I'm the, the mantle yeah. from Steph Curry. You know, it's like I'm here to play my like small forward, st- starting small forward role, like above average starting small forward. He's career high from two. He's a career high from three, right? Like, uh, he's playing the best defense of his life. He's not just out there, right? Like, he's, he's literally taking advantage of, of playing next to Steph and, and being the most efficient. What would he get on the market? What would he get if he was a free agent this summer? I can't answer that because the NBA salary situation is so weird <laughs> considering. Let me put it this way. Ubre is a free agent and like I think he is desiring somewhere towards 20 million. I don't think he's going to get it. He's on 14 like the Suns gave Ubre 14 million per season like two off seasons ago. So I assume Kelly Ubre's probably going to get like 15 16 million or so. I think Wiggins we've is also 20. Se- I think 20. that's what I mean. We've seen over the course of this NBA season like who is just a better winning basketball player. And so it's at least 20 with wings, it doesn't take a lot to tip this into, yeah, everybody would pay that. I mean, it could go the other way. But if Wiggins plays a little bit better, then it's no question 30. And if he plays a little bit worse, then, yeah, nowhere near it. I mean, it's a very thin margin proposition because right now I think he's scoring with maybe average efficiency. I don't know how we really assess how open he is, whatever, whatever. And But it's it's like average. But if he gets to above average and then the defense and the athleticism and the durability, then that seems to more than justify the contract. How do we feel, by the way, about the scuffles of pool? You know, do we still like the way he's playing and the, the shots just not going in? Does this change the assessment? I like how he plays game to game, at least on the offensive side. Defense is another story, but... I'm still, I'm not selling the pool stock. He was ridiculously hot for a bunch and deserved the earn, you know, the promotion up to the rotation. But yeah, he's he's come back a little shot. Sometimes looks a little bit like he did last season. A little bit, not 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 exactly. But I think the willingness to take it, the willingness to try to use his big body in there in the lane, he's still part of this, the part of this team's future. And he's still going to get minutes, maybe not get a lot of minutes, but get that second unit minutes. And also, think you know, as we've said a million times, it's easy to forget Wiseman, but he's a key to I think the team with Wiseman into the future. Like that combination is something they got to keep their eye on as they figure out you know how they're going to plot Wiseman back into this. And it's, it's Wiseman and Poole in some form is going to be a nice combination for this team. Unless you're giving up Wiseman, then it's a whole different thing. But I, I don't think they're going to do that. I'm writing a huge Jordan Poole story for I think it might be out tomorrow morning. I talked to Jordan Poole for like. 20 minutes i talked to chris demarco who's like worked a ton behind the scenes with jordan Poole his first two seasons talked to chris weems who obviously was the geely coach and steve kerr they are trying to form him into a winning rotation player um he's clearly a super skilled scorer but their goal is to get it to a point where they don't feel like his playing time is reliant on if his shot is going and i think that you know as we talk about 
well, they've kind of scrapped development because Wiseman's out for the rest of the season, and it's all about just go win as much as you can with this veteran team. Jordan Poole is still the sprinkle of development that is going on right now. If you look at everyone in the rotation, they're aged 25 through 33, except for Jordan Poole, who's 21. Nico Mannion is very far out of the rotation now. Gary Payton the second is now closer than Nico Mannion to minutes. But Jordan Poole is remaining in at least about a 15 to 20 minute per roll or minute roll per night to 25 he's making some defensive mistakes but he's also like i have clipped and i'm gonna put in the article like he's done some defensive stuff they've liked and that's was probably the main crux of what they worked on this summer and you know they're plus 35 over the last eight games with steph curry off the floor they are not being killed in the non-Steph Curry minutes. They've actually been winning them a little bit lately. And just think about the Boston game. A lot of that is Poole just finding, you know, a couple makes here and there at the start of the second quarter, at the start of the fourth quarter. He had a floater. He had and one on Kemba Walker. Like, those are important shots and non-Curry minutes. Even when it's not going in, he keeps the offense moving. I mean, that's that's what I'm seeing. And that's why I'm saying that I don't hate how he's playing even if the shot is rattling out and altogether I'm, I'm optimistic about his ability to contribute, but I think he was, a, he was plus, he was plus uh, pretty decently in the last game. I don't have the box score up, but even though he couldn't hit a shot against the Sixers, there's something to just being able to move the ball, being able to get penetration probe. I mean, those are skills that you just don't see from the other players outside of Steph. So I still think it's an important component to the team even if he's scuffling. First off, they can run plays for him, right? <laughs> like even against, uh, I think it was more, I forgot what game it was. They kept running the same play, coming off the stagger screen and him sprinting. But he can get the ball at the top and get to the rim with one dribble and get to the rim. That's such an undervalued skill on this team. Uh, even Wiggins has to like see that lane. Jordan Poole just explodes. It's just like once he decides, it's one move, boom, and he's gone. So I think it's just a matter its a matter of time and experience and of him putting his game together. Some of his open threes, he still rushes. When his feet are set and he takes his time, like he becomes a pretty uh, reliable knockdown shooter. But I don't, I don't know if he always knows that. He, he takes some threes where his feet aren't set. He's rushing a bit. And he's going for the, the stylistic three when he doesn't need to. I think all that stuff can be, can be worked out. And, and right now, he's just getting reps. And as long as he's attempting to do the winning stuff they want on defense, being more physical because he tends to you know, kind of uh, be a little soft at times, honestly, defensively, as long as he's doing that, the streaky stuff's not bad for a bench guy. You know what I mean? Because, like, yeah, sometimes it, it can hurt you for a four-game stretch if, if he's missing some of those open threes, but he's already shown. He went through an eight-game stretch where he was, like, 50-40-90, basically scoring, like, 20 a game. Like, what if he has a hot streak at a really good time? And also, somebody's got to take those shots on that second unit. Somebody's got to take those shots. And he's become kind of the focal point at times of that, and they need it. I mean, you know, you just somebody who creates something, makes a defense move, He's six foot five. He can, you know, he's got that runner a little bit now, which is really nice. It's a veteran shot, uh, and if they can figure out some things for him defensively, again, he's six foot five. It's not like you're trying to force a six foot two guy out there to try to do stuff. Six foot five can switch some things, can be big, maybe can rebound a little bit. There's value to this. And right now, you see what Kerr's doing. He's like he's giving him the start of the second, start of the fourth, and if he earns more. You know, then you have that kind of other guards or Baysmore, Mulder, Damian Lee, who, you know, Lee played almost the entire fourth quarter last night. You just kind of feel the mix of it. And like one of those guys is going to play, maybe two of those guys is going to play, depending on Ubre. You know, you can get it. And he's in that mix at 21. And then, you know, you figure at 22, he's going to be out of that mix and he's going to have his own, you know, 24 minute role. That all works with this team right now. It, it just fits how they're trying to organize this. And they need one guy when Steph's off the court, and it's not Wiggins because we've seen when they've tried to make it Wiggins, who just says, okay, ball's in my hands, clock's running down, I'm putting this up. I'm going to figure out a way. Sometimes it's not going to go in. A lot of times it's not going to go in. But the fact that Jordan Poole can approximate that definitely gives him some value. They really like that he earned this role too. You know, like he should be playing. He proved he should be playing. Some people could argue that, you know, maybe they should have given him more leeway, more more of a, an offensive leash and, and try out developmental minutes earlier on. Maybe you're correct, but he has earned what he's getting right now. Nobody, none of us for like, 
yeah, I mean, it's good that they're getting the 21-year-old minutes, but, like, he's hurting them. No, he should, should be in the Should have kept Wanamaker out yeah, there. Right. Should have still be Wanamaker yeah. leading that, that second year. Wanamaker and Mannion together. And as we're seeing, this is a this is a veteran team that, like, now has coalesced into this idea that they are kind of in win-now mode. It sounds weird because we know what the season is for the Warriors, but, like, like Kent Bazemore wants to see where this is going this season. Like, all the veterans and the coaching staff now wants to see where this is going this season. And the fact that a 21-year-old – has remained as the only developmental part of that mix shows that he's kind of forming an ability to be somewhat of a of a fringe winning player even at his young age. No question. Slater, what, what they got coming up next? Let's just talk about this. The, what's in front of them from a not only a schedule situation but a standing situation because it's getting interesting. There's only 15 games left. They currently are sitting in the nine seed, right behind Memphis. They do play Memphis the final game in the regular season, which could be a big one because it also has tiebreaker implications. Whoever wins that will get the uh, 2-1 tiebreaker. So, you know, Portland is free-falling. And did anyone beat Jason Quick? hot seat? Wow. That was tough. tough. (laughs) Did that feel like out of nowhere a little bit? Like, it felt like he was the safest dude in the world? Terry's been there for a long yeah, yeah. time, and they have It's only a matter of time, but right? They, they yeah. knew we needed to hit our quotient of mentioning Warren Legarry, <laughs> so they, they needed to throw out some Terry Stotts in doubts for Portland. Can we get a Warren Legarry reaction to that story? Listen, Terry, listen, baby. Listen, stud. They're doing you all wrong. It's okay. Fuck them. Fuck them. We're going to find a new team. Wow. Forget them. Uh, so yeah, how did, he he talks basically like Ari Gold. I mean, that is how Warren approaches it. But that's a hypothetical, hypothetical conversation. I do not know what Warren is saying behind the scenes. So the Warriors are four games behind the Blazers. Do not have the tiebreaker. So it seems pretty unrealistic they're going to get up to six. Although the Blazers have a super hard schedule the rest of the way. The Warriors have a much easier schedule. Dallas is at seven. Memphis is at eight. Spurs are at ten behind the Warriors. Those are the teams to, to kind of concern uh, yourselves with if you're a Warriors follower. The Pelicans are free falling a little bit, but the Warriors do play the Pelicans three times, and I think like the final like nine games or something like that. So you know maybe New Orleans climbs back in. What is ahead directly though is a Wizards game to close the trip on Wednesday night, where the scoring title could be a focus because Steph Curry is now overtaking Bradley Beal. Steph is averaging thirty one point four, Bradley Beal thirty one point one, and then you come off the road trip. If they can steal that one, or you know you're four and one on that road trip, which is that's a success. Homestand is probably their toughest little mini stretch remaining, which is Denver without Murray, Sacramento, not that difficult of a game, and then Dallas to close it. And that's Dallas for the tiebreaker, too, because they're 1-1 one one with Dallas this season. So to me, that's the biggest game coming up over the next week or so is Dallas next Tuesday night, I believe, on TNT, Luka, Steph, tiebreaker on the line, and Dallas is sitting in the seventh seed right now. And fans in the building. I was about fans to say, do we building. have any uh, – You have anybody got a – what do you think is going to be like? What is Chase going to be a – Popping with however many fans are in there. It's Friday, right? I believe it's about 6,500. 6, a Friday night, 6,500 are allowed in because it's 35% of what's about 18,000 or something like that. From the people I've talked to, they're like, I think it's like if that many people really show up, it's going to feel pretty like semi full. Yeah. Well, coming from zero, you know, it's going to be something. And people are saying, like, you could even feel it just when there's a couple thousand in these other arenas like there's a like the boston game couldn't you feel that like there was a crowd there you really sense that there was a crowd there i think slater said that to me i hate to be quoting you back from a podcast we did after that game but you could definitely feel there's a difference that the players are reacting it to it things are intense uh, a little more intense so when you drop 6500 there from zero or you know would have been a couple hundred of family and and staffers pretty much me and whatever seat yeah. i wanted but yeah and that's gone that's out yeah what was that about um, what was that about? i think there's we, gonna uh, be a notable difference we gotta go back to the media section we're back in the media section back in the media section so it goes so you know what people don't want to hear about our views our, our our angles of the game but we are we had a much better view of the game when we uh, when there were no fans in there so it goes slater slater might be uh, figuring out something else who knows the crowd presence made that Boston game one of the best games of the season, in my opinion. I mean, it really added something to it. I, I, I was we we didn't talk about the Boston game because the Sixers game just happened, but you know, yeah, the Warriors lost, but that was that was incredible atmosphere. And I think if I had to predict, I think off the bat at first you're going to see that 6,500 
people are going to be showing up. I don't know if the demand is going to hold up. I'm interested in that, how much people want to be, you know, because with baseball, it doesn't seem to have held up. This is a playoff chase, though, and this is Steph Curry at his hottest. It is definitely different. And this is not like just the start of a season. This is like fans have been watching this now for a while. Like, hey, you know, it would be really fun to see some of this as it dwindles away because there's not there's not very many. It is a little bit of a scarcity with the Giants. It's like, hey, there's like 80 more of these, right? I mean, you know, like I can get them whenever I want to get them. And there's no Steph Curry. So we'll see. You know, I, I have friends, though. I've asked them and, and they've said they're not going to go for a while. It's all whether how you feel about it, how safe you feel, and I have guess I've heard that it's the safest place in the world. But you know, you don't know. It, it, it's a little different. And Did we'll you know that Joe Lacob is an epidemiologist? Was- <laughs> yes, I believe he. No I, I believe I might have heard that. And uh, you know, we'll see. best ventilation in the world, whatever, all these things. But it's personal choice. I do think that there's. I don't know, be a man. This is the Brandon Schneider era. I got to feel it out first. I don't know what it's going to be like in the, the, the <laughs> Brandon really Schneider. Different. I hope you got it together, man. If it is a mess up, it's all Brandon's fault. We know that. It does feel like Steph's creating a little moment right now. Like Steph is given a moment, something that it almost reminds of a glorious past that people want to channel. That I think the league desperately needs beyond just the Warriors. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if. There are people in the building for a while, and there's good energy for the playoff run. That could be that could be a very nice change of pace. So I look forward to seeing it play out. The league did him a favor. To, it's history. It's history. Go yeah, ahead. I would just say the league did him a favor with the scheduling. I believe like nine out of the last fourteen or something like that's at home, and the last six are at home. And it, it's a schedule that really kind of that final push in early May as as. You know the weather's getting better in San Francisco. It sets up well where it's two Thunder games to start that that last homestand, which you would think would be you know shoveled two wins in the in the barrel if you saw if you saw the Thunder's rotation in that game the other day. And then it's Utah Phoenix in the middle of that homestand, which those are the two most likely first round opponents if they are in the play-in and win the play-in because Utah's one, Phoenix is two right now. So you get to see a little bit of a potential playoff matchup. And then it closes with the Pelicans and Grizzlies. That could like have real playoff implications, particularly the Memphis game on the last day of the regular season. So I think if it's a, if it's a legit playoff chase and if Steph is still healthy and hot at the time, again, I don't know how that brings crowds in during like the, the edge of, of what we hope is the end of this pandemic, but this is building up for a fun stretch run for them. I don't know how in person that means, but TK, 30, 30 how, how bad was Joe helps. Lacob that the game was blacked out on ESPN and also not on uh, NBC Sports? <laughs> <laughs> the last night's game. Which one? Like if you were in a bit, it was on ABC no, was Sports on, Plus. On, the Giants game was, on, was on ABC Sports. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> probably not real happy. Actually, oh, yeah. When stuff like that happens, I think yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Like, he's right, been yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. He's been <laughs> right, the guy well, who's like hit him on stuff like that. And I, I've totally understood it. That whole KMBR thing. I, you know, Rick was the one who was the point man on them not being very happy about not having a pregame show because the Giants, whatever, or not having their games on because the Giants had a spring training pregame show, whatever it was. Uh, so that's who I always think about when when stuff like that happens. It's just it's a channel flip, whatever. But yeah, I, I get your point on that one. They don't have a good TV deal, I think, is some of the subtext and the subplot with that, that I, I believe they locked in that deal before the incredible historic dynasty runs. So They extended it when Joe bought the team. They extended the deal. So it's partly their own fault. But they can reopen. I got to figure that they can reopen it very soon. That number is going to go way up. That number is going to go. Uh, now reminded up. of your bet with him, like Joe. I don't know if I believe you that you thought you'd be winning a championship in five seasons based on <laughs> based on the business decisions that were made surrounding it. Because otherwise, they would have. T- but you know what? The Warriors make a lot of money. I think they they're going to be okay. They may go. unless Brandon Schneider screws it all up, and then 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 you know we'll have a, we'll have something to write about. Guys, I know, right? All this pressure on Brandon. <laughs> hey, the pre- all I know is hey, the, pre- the previous, Welch, the previous, previous team president yeah. was in the Hall Steph of Fame. Yeah, Welch, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. He got a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I expect my my I expect my food to be hot and my seat to be clean. Uh, you know, will there be food? By the way, probably not. Huh? 
Probably about. I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I believe the fans can like order from their seats and then go pick it up at like specified locations. We'll see. We will report back on next week's Warriors we Plus Minus podcast, or at least I will. I'm going to the game. Oh, Are yeah. you guys going yeah, to the game? I'm going to the game. I'm going to the, Ethan is not. I got, I got my vaccine shot, but I'll go to a game. A game. And then we will report back on Plus Minus. All right. Next week, we'll holla. And Ethan Strauss will be doing a Warriors All 82. This oh, really? Oh, Ethan oh, Strauss. Breaking, breaking wow. news. Rare, rare appearance. That bag oh, must have been big. <laughs> Pick wow. a game, Ethan. Pick a game. You got Wizards. You want to do I'll a Wizards game tomorrow night? He's trying to get yeah, him on the record it. now. Like it's on wax. Boom. Look at that. Yes, I did. I got him on the record. Everyone look out. That's the classic is when you tell people, hey, you doing anything Tuesday? Oh, no. And then you introduce the thing they don't want to do. Not that I wouldn't want to do your podcast, Anthony. It's a delight. <laughs> but that is how you hook people. I came straight with it. I said he's doing one. On the record, too. Uh, all right. Until next week, <laughs> we are out. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.